SE16, presented by ICTV, your home for everything sports and entertainment. It starts right now. Welcome into the SE16 podcast. We're back after taking some time off for winter break, but we're back and we're better than ever as we're kicking off our first show of the semester. First show. With Fox Sports broadcaster Kevin Burkhardt. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on to the show. You got it, guys. Now, you've gotten the opportunity to broadcast a lot of NFL games the past couple, past few seasons, and everyone knows the Patriots won their fourth title in the Brady-Belichick area. So i got to ask, with that controversial last play call by Seattle, what are your thoughts on how the game ended? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it was – first of all, I think it was a great play by Butler. I mean, you know, he, he obviously saw something uh, that he saw on tape, and he jumped that route as aggressive as he could possibly jump it. I mean, if that wasn't the play Seattle was doing, uh, they were going to get burned. But, you know, I guess when you're on the one-yard line, you got to take a shot. So he, he made a tremendous play, and I don't think enough people are talking about that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's easy to have hindsight – certainly on the play call that doesn't work to lose the Super Bowl. But it, it is, to me, hard when it's, uh, you know, when you hand off a four yards on first down. The clock is, is, the game is essentially over. You control the clock. You've got a timeout, too. And you are the number one rushing team in the NFL. Uh, I, I would give it to Marshawn Lynch, or I'd certainly have Russell Wilson with a roll and throw or run option um, rather than that. Uh, that, that, you know, to your fourth best wide receiver. Uh, didn't like it, um, you know, and, and, and I think a lot of people feel the same way because it didn't work, but it just it just didn't make sense there. They had a lot of other, I thought, better options to get it in. But you know what? The reality is the kid Butler made a great play. He made a great jump on the route. He guessed right. And he was more aggressive with the ball than, than Lockett was. So uh, it was a great Super Bowl. I think the Super Bowl had a little bit of everything. It had great drama. It was back and forth. It was... Um, you know, it was everything he wanted. You know, it really was. It was, you know, Tom Brady with the ball against the great defense, and they go down and score, and then Russell Wilson, who who did everything but the last yard. So I, it was one of the greater Super Bowls, one of the greatest of all time, I, I thought. Now, Kevin, you were a fixture on Fox calling games this past season. You called a lot of a lot of good games. Now, what was your most memorable game to call? What was the best one that you called, in your opinion? Uh, from this year? Yeah, from this year. Now, we had a lot of good games this year. I mean, we had a really a lot of good games this year. I mean, obviously, you know, anytime you get to call a playoff game, which uh, I was lucky enough to do with our entire crew, it's pretty special. You know, I mean, that's it, it doesn't get lost in how lucky and how rewarding it is to call that game. And we had to take out Seattle, Carolina, and it was a really good game for three quarters. Um, I think one of the most exciting games we did all year was uh, San Francisco at New Orleans. You know, it was a, a time before the Saints kind of, uh, fell apart there, and uh, obviously San Francisco too. They were both, you know, right in the mix, and both kind of needed that game. And uh, San Francisco is a fourth and ten. They're losing the game, and Colin Kaepernick rolls out and throws a fifty-one yard bomb to Michael Crabtree, and then end up winning the game. I and mean, it was just—it felt like a real playoff feel that game. But we, we had a lot of uh, really terrific games this year. We got lucky. Some of the some of the some of the matchups we had were, were really quite good. So I, I would say those two off the top of my head so looking towards the whole full season of the nfl what was the biggest storyline in your opinion we had deflate gate who blew up we had the continual concussion discussions which one was the biggest throughout the whole season 
it depends if you're talking on or off the field. I mean, off the field, it wasn't a good year for the league, you know, between uh, all the things that happened with you know, Ray Rice and, and, and with Adrian Peterson and those abuse cases, which were which were brutal, uh, how the league handled it or, or didn't handle it. Um, it, it, was, it was not a great year for the league off the field. Um, you know, on the field, the biggest story, I mean, right now and days after the Super Bowl has to be that you go back to after New England lost to Kansas City and they got bludgeoned pretty good in that game in KC. And people were talking about Tom Brady being done. <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, he's not done. Um, you know, he, he's not done at all. I mean, I, I think clearly that's a story. The, the Peyton Manning, you know, will he will he return? Or, or is he at the end of the line? That's a story. I think, um, you know, I think the job that, that Bruce Arians did in Arizona was a tremendous story. And that's a team that I thought had real Super Bowl chances uh, until they were down to the third-string quarterback. So I felt bad for how, how it ended for Arizona. But I think the job that he did with Todd Bowles and kind of uh, making that team a kind of fearless, take-all-risk type of team was really fun to watch for a while. Um, you know, there, there was a ton of them, but um, I think those are the big ones. And I think the other one, you know, for during the season is that for the first time in a long time that I can remember, I think the Cowboys were a legitimate Super Bowl team. And they haven't been that uh, even remotely since, you know, Aikman and Emmett and Urban left. You know, they had had a couple of playoff teams, not many in that time. But this year, even though they lost at Green Bay, uh, this is the first year I can remember since the triplets that they had a legitimate Super Bowl team. And uh, so that was a story as well. Now, I know you've been around the Mets as the field reporter for SNY for a long time. I grew up watching you on SNY. Now, I got to ask you, the question that's been burning in the head of Mets fans, who's going to be the starting shortstop for the team this season? I think it's going to be Wilmer Flores. I mean, they're not going and getting anybody. They haven't done it. And, um, you know, I think that Flores, I think he was okay there last year when he played at the end of the year. I mean, look, he doesn't have – much range, but and he'll have his plays where he will he will clank a couple of them. But I'll tell you what he he's not at least he can feel the ball when it's in his range. You know he's not a, he's not a butcher over there, and I think he does have the, the potential to hit and it hit some gaps and to get some doubles and stuff like that. Um, is he the perfect case scenario over there? No, um, especially with he and Daniel Murphy, they're not exactly the strongest defensive unit up the middle. Uh, and I think that's a little problematic, but it is what it is. They're not going to go out and get anybody right now. They, there's nobody to trade for. They're not going to sign anybody if there's even anybody left to sign. Uh, it's Wilmer Flores. I don't think Ruben Tejada is pretty proven that he is, he is what he is at this point. So I think at least with Flores, you kind of know what he is, but I think there's some room for growth for him offensively. So he's got to be able to, to drive in some runs to carry his weight defensively. Now, for all three of us, we're aspiring sports journalists, whether it be in the print or over the air. And you being one of the big names today, you had a lot of small jobs and you had the Mets job. And what kind, We just want to know, what kind of experience did that mean to you to get you to where you are today? What kind of experience did it, did it mean to work smaller jobs? Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, like all the buildup, like learning uh, kind of not on a higher stage like Fox NFL and Fox MLB, just kind of like the little radio jobs and little TV, like – uh, what did those entry level or the beginning positions mean to you and your momentum moving forward? Well, I, I mean, look, I, I think everyone would love to get to the top or near it right away <laughs> in the perfect world. 
but I don't think that I'd be where I am if I didn't have that journey. You know, I, I there's so many different things that I did and, and experiences that I had at a lower level. Um, you know, part of it was grinding away and then getting frustrated and, and quitting for a little while and then realizing that was a bad mistake. And, you know, it's all those kind of life lessons that you learn throughout the way about yourself and how hard you want to work and who you want to be. And But, you know, the thing about working at smaller places, and I worked at a 1,000-watt radio station for eight years that was a daytime station that shut off at night. Um, but I'll tell you what, I honed a lot of my craft there. You know, you get to... You got to practice and make mistakes and get better and, uh, along the way. I think all those jobs are important. I mean, there is, you know, yes, you know, it, it, I didn't get my break overnight, and I probably didn't really get my big, big break until I was about 30, I guess 32 when I took the med job initially. That was my, my real big break. But, you know, there were smaller jobs leading up to that, including, you know, radio. I went to CBS, and then finally went to WFAN, which was a huge deal. But I think there, there's no doubt in my mind that today – uh, at 40 years old, I am a much, much, much better broadcaster than I ever was at, say, 24. Um, and it's because of the experience, you know. It's just once you do things and experience things and, and learn and get better from it, um, that's kind of invaluable. You know, I wasn't, you know, I like to think I was a guy that always had talent, but I, I wasn't a guy who was, and I don't know, some people are, some people are just naturally amazing at it, but I, I think the, the work and the, the learning experience that I got and the people that I met were huge in shaping who I am today. So I, I, I think it was invaluable. You know, I, I wouldn't trade my, my path here for anything. And that includes quitting and selling cars for a year, which I did. Ooh. <laughs> wow. All right. So finally, how does your preparation for football and baseball differ? I know you've called football games. You've called baseball games. Now you're going to be a studio host for MLB. They're different sports, but what do you do differently between them to prepare? Well, the biggest thing is, is, is what you're doing. So studio is a lot different than preparing for doing play-by-play. You know, uh, play-by-play, for example, football, I mean, people just see you uh, the three hours on the game. They don't understand the amount of effort that goes into it during the week. You know, I mean, I put 40 hours of work into the game when I'm at home during the week. And then we travel on Friday with our crew. We go to the practices. We meet with the teams. We have meetings ourselves to discuss and really lay a game plan for what's on the broadcast. Um, so, I mean, it's it's like studying for the bar. You know, you put all this effort and all this work into reading and, and memorizing names and numbers and uh, all this information and watching film and things like that. That's, um, you know, that that's that certainly occurs when you're doing the play-by-play. And the same thing, is, you know, it's a little different when you're doing baseball play-by-play, but you're still going to go and watch, you know, games that the team has played, watch the pitcher and see what he's done lately. You're, you're reading tons and tons of stories to educate yourself. And then you're doing your, your due diligence by talking to people, making phone calls. Uh, and then the final thing is going out to the event and talking to the players, manager. All that comes into the preparation. You know, when you're in studio, it's more of just a kind of an all-encompassing knowledge of really, um, you know, making sure you have a, uh, kind of a handle on everything that's going on in the league. You know, when you're doing one game in the NFL, you obviously have to know what's going on in the league, which I always, you know, try to do. But you really have to go deep and, and dig, dig deep on the teams you're doing because, let's face it, you're doing two teams, um, and you're, you're, you have two. You're going to have three people watching the game. One is kind of a general fan or somebody who has the game on on a Sunday, and then the other two are either, you know, rabid fans of either team. So you can't not know all the details about something because there are people out there that do. So. That's really the basic. It's just different forms of preparation, but um, the one 
thing that's very similar is time. I don't know a shortcut around it, uh, around, you know, the reading, the watching, the phone calls, and the studying. I mean, it's, there's no shortcut that I know. It just takes time. If you want to be good, you want to do it the right way. Otherwise, you're you're going to stink. <laughs> that's, at, least that's a, at least that's the way that I know it. All right, Kevin. Well, we really appreciate you giving us a few minutes of your time, and really thank you so much for coming on to the show. Best of luck to you three. It was a pleasure coming on. I'll see you all soon. Thank right, you, Kevin. Thank you so very much. much. All right. Well, that was Fox Sports broadcaster Kevin Burkhardt. Great guy. Nice Great enough guy. to come on to the show, give us a few minutes of his time. Fun fact, Jack, our producer, our, our talent scout, social media guy, he's got a lot of jobs around here. His dad actually works with Kevin Burkhardt. Yep. So. He's the director for the Fox, Fox Sports broadcast. And we thought we'd give you a yeah. shout-out, Jack. So you know. Thank you to Jack Kevner. And also, while we're talking about our crew, big thanks to Ryan Benelli. He's returning to the control room. And also, the birthday boy today, Tuesday, February ah. 3rd. Chris Serrano, he's a freshman. He came on as an AP, you know, helping us the out. Fresh. Yep, he's helping us out as an AP this semester. Happy birthday, Chris. Thanks for coming on the show. Chris, you stink. Hey, Steve, that's not very nice. But, hey, it's All his right. birthday today, so if wish wish, uh, wish Chris a happy birthday if you guys are listening this far into the podcast. All right, so now before we get into Steve's little segment that Steve Altieri, a.k.a. Salty Steve, if you guys are just tuning in for the first time, he wants to start this new thing bi-weekly. Oh, uh, weekly. Weekly, kind weekly, of bi- weekly. Don't <laughs> make it bi-weekly. Are you serious? He was telling right you now? short there. Bi-weekly. Sorry, sorry. Are a you weekly, kidding me? A weekly baseball thing that he wants to start. But before we start that, we're just gonna kind of recap what happened last semester. Yes. Before we go anywhere, before we go anywhere, I just want to go back to one of our podcasts. I don't even remember which one it was. Before the NBA season, where Steve, Salty Steve, Teeb said that the Charlotte Hornets, the Washington Wizards, and the Toronto Raptors would all be in the top three of the Eastern Conference of the NBA. Mm. And mm. he wagered both Rahemba and I $5 each for the bet. How are you feeling about that Wait, bet right Steve, now, Salty? Can, Steve, okay, can you read me off? Here's the Wait. thing. Here's the oh, thing. here's the yeah, thing. Here's you the guys got to listen It's up. back. It didn't go here's anywhere, the people. The Toronto Raptors, all one right. of the teams I picked, is number two. Okay. The Washington Wizards. Number three. Who's number Those one? Those are two of the top Who's three one? teams in the Eastern Conference. The number one team no one saw coming. The no, Atlanta yeah. Hawks. Hotlanta. But <laughs> Hot Char- Charlotte got off to a bad start, but now oh, they're getting wow, going Atlanta. again. They've won a couple in a row. They've, they've moved up to the eighth seed in the East, and they're just going to slowly climb. Steve. Wait Steve. and see. I'm standing so you're behind standing by this. my prediction. He's going to you know go to you know have to go to the ATM. He's going to have to go to the ATM. Okay, excuse me. I'm trying to talk here. I'm just saying you're going to have to go the ATM. You know who bucks. can't stand behind their prediction? Each. Mr. Jonah Restuccio. He picked what? that the Syracuse Orange I let my would fandom win get in it all. I let my fandom That they would the be the number one team. They heart, most likely won't make the tournament. Yep. And I just want to point Heart out th- this one reason why that's a terrible pick, and we talked about it last semester. No, no. We've talked it's about not it in real. previous shows. It's not real. The Curse of Salty. All now, right. for those of you who don't remember. We all know what the Curse of Salty is. All right, he went to the Boston College Syracuse, game where they lost. Whatever. And they have been bad ever They've since been I went. ever since. So, Jonah, bad salty. pick on your part. All right. Well, what, what, well since what, we're talking. We made a couple other ones. Yeah, since we? we're we talking some, smack we about. Bets. People, let's talk smack about Rahemba, Mr. Oh, Kentucky yeah. will not be in the top 25. You know they're the I best team by far. <laughs> I, 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 I know this. Dude, I, I, own own Alex I own that they're the number one team. I own the fact that I was wrong. Listen, Kentucky <laughs> is dominant. I don't dominant? see them. I, dominant is an understatement. They're the most dominant team in college basketball right Dude, now. Let's just throw. And I don't Steve. see them. I don't see them falling out anytime soon. Okay, right. Steve, Steve's just walking all over the place here in the studio. Just yeah. What just are you doing? doing? His thing. Whoa. We're well, trying we're to have a conversation. Right well, calling you out, Steve. I'm sorry, but what did you say? All I'm saying 
is the way to end Kentucky's undefeated streak is just put you in Rupp Arena if you're oh. if all the if all the dots match up. I mean, I could do that. I could I could single handedly maybe I C- maybe ICTV can send us maybe ICTV can send us to yeah, uh, I, I, broadcast a game it's yeah a, it's it's Kentucky's a little bit far go, go from to me. Kentucky you a know m- maybe if they're we playing could take the man against van on a road trip. thing is in the SEC they're in in conference schedule so maybe it SEC has to wait sucks. until tournament time okay tournament and you're gonna time. try to curse them during and I'll the curse tournament them then that Ouch. that's on me all right. Wait, wait! Before we even go, before we even wait. go, oh wait, I, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna talk about the Super Bowl. Oh, oh, oh well, I thought we were talking about something else. I thought we were gonna talk about oh, okay. how I picked Utah to okay. be in, yeah. so on like a, a contender last... this season. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Salty wasn't there. That was the episode we had Matt Norlander from yep. CBS Sports. Yeah, and he, he said you you're, he said you're dead to him, Salty. Yeah. So wow. if Matt Norlander, yeah. wow, Steve I, is I'm here. walking out. Steve then. is here. Yeah. Would you like Would you like to say anything to him? Um, I wish I could have been there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's my fault. Um, I let the whole team down. That's correct. We, and you missed out just on me on. just saying that Utah, Utah was going to be legit this year. And, and they, they are. are. They good are. good prediction. Utah good job. So is legit. That's, that's one of our predictions that is uh, – that is correct, but you know, Steve. All, every year, the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl. The Patriots oh, guess gonna, what happened? And the Patriots won the Super Bowl. I purposely sat next to Steve at his apartment so I could trash talk him the whole time, and um, it almost worked until Butler's well, interception. The like uh, the curse Kevin of Salty about. is the thing, but the curse of Jonah will never be a thing. And my team, the team I root for, the Patriots, won it all. The Pats. And uh, you can't uh. you can't take that away from. They they Listen. put in the work. They did a great job. Tom Brady, Malcolm Butler stepped up, Steve, made a big play at the Tom end. Tom Brady did not win them that game. Are you kidding me? His fourth quarter, <laughs> thirteen of fifteen passing, over a hundred yards. Brady he had a ninety-seven QBR I, rating in listen. the fourth quarter. All right, ready? I, 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 they I were do not down. Like Tom Brady. They were down right, ten. I'm not afraid of Kansas. Right, the only reason I did this, the only reason I said that, is because my uncle Mike, who will be listening to this podcast, he always does this. He texts me. <laughs> he texts oh me does this. every it's weekend. Always some side every weekend. He, every weekend, he always talks That's about how much Jonah he talks about Boston. Always has like a side story. Uh, so, Uncle Mike, that, that one's for you. That one's for you, Uncle Mike. Shout out to Uncle Mike. <laughs> I just wanted to get you going, Steve. <laughs> okay. I just wanted so, to get you going. We're all right. just going to move all on right, then. So let's move all on right. to the Diamond. So Patriots Obviously, won the Super Bowl. spring training right around the corner. Exactly. Super Bowl's over. Let's just set this up, Steve. We're getting ready for opening day. Wait, before spring you go, I cannot wait. wait. We're just a disclaimer. Me and Ra- – what did you just say? The smell of the grass. Oh, all right. All right. What did you think I said, Jonah? <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. I kind of <laughs> <What>? cut you <laughs> off. <laughs> what? <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I thought you said – I thought you forgot I, a couple letters in grass. Nope. Um, We're good. <laughs> so that happened. But disclaimer, we don't really know what Steve's going for. He tries to explain it to us every week, this little thing that he we wants to do. We don't know what he's talking about. But we just, we're just kind of rolling with it, and he, we'll, let, right, we'll let him take right, it away right, from here. All right, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have to suspend disbelief a little bit here. Ooh. So aliens are coming to Earth. And they challenge the world to a game of baseball for the survival of Earth. They will destroy the world if the world loses this game of baseball. You get to pick any baseball player ever and any year ever. So so what we're going to be doing is selecting a team to play against this team of aliens. So we need to select a starting pitcher, a closer, a DH, catch, and all the other positions and make the best team possible. Right, so wait, 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 I have one question. I have one question. Are we making one team for the podcast or are we making three individual teams? 
Or Ooh. making like a social media because you know this will go on forever because you will never agree because it'll be yeah. so here I can, no, no, I can we don't agree on much. Ready? Here. So hey, no, this wait, is a wait, way. There's an, we'll an easy way to do this. We'll each make an argument, yes. and then you get to decide. Beautiful. Who made the best argument and who should be right? And Ty, Mr. Producer Ryan Benelli in the studio hitting the buttons. Ribo. Will make the will make the call if there's okay. a tie. Okay. Right, so cool. so would you like to uh would you you want to start it off? Wait, wait, I'm not starting. You want to start it off before, before I go? We're before saving go. the best for right, Jonah. I'm just got? gonna I'm just gonna say we all we all know what Steve's team is gonna be. Jason Veritek, Pedro Martinez, David Ortiz, so Dustin Pedroia, Nomar Garcia Para, Kevin Mullard, I know, I know everyone is talking about Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It, Matt, Matt, so Mr. Matt Rehemba will Mr. go first. Matt Rehemba, yeah. And we are starting with the position of starting pitcher. One, of the one most, pitcher. Okay. Okay. How many pitchers do we make? You get one starting pitcher and a closer. Okay. okay. We're, pitcher we're and just, closer? We're just Wait, doing the starting pitcher. Let's just do starting There's only been one good, like one closer that you want. Jonah. We're doing this now. We're doing that later. Okay. Starting pitcher. Starting pitcher. The best for individual me. season ever. Matt, ever. Go first. We're gonna go back to 1995, the birth year, baby. Hey, let's go over to the year. Atlanta Braves. Wait, and let's talk about. No, we're not waiting, Jonah. Oh, okay. We're talking Greg Maddox. I'm telling you, 19 Greg and two, Maddox. 1.63 ERA, 209 innings pitched. Not a strikeout Which year pitcher. Is this? this is 1995. 1995. You, you were expecting alive. that, weren't you? Weren't you, you were not no, expecting that. I was that not pick. expecting 19 that. 19 2, 1.63 ERA, only 181 strikeouts. But listen, Greg Maddox was never known as a strikeout pitcher. He was known as a ground ball pitcher. Mm-hmm. He wanted to pitch to contact, mm-hmm. and that is literally oh. exactly what he did all season long. Love it. He was on fire. He wasn't going to be a guy who was going to jam you, but he is tailing fastball with something that can catch batters off guard. That's what got him those 19 wins that so season. So you're saying that for the savior of the earth, we are putting we're putting Greg, Greg Maddox, Maddox on the mound. Listen, if aliens come down to the to Earth today, I want Greg Maddox on the mound. You want Greg That's who Maddox. you want. That is okay. my guy. That's Matt's pick. Jonah, who's your pick? You know what? I'm gonna go a little farther back than 1995. I'm gonna All go right. back farther than 1975. I'm going back to 1963. 1963. My mom, my mom and dad weren't even born yet, and that's that's saying something. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Ouch. Mom and dad. All right, I, I'm going. I gotta say, Mr. and Mrs. Restuccio, good people. You're, you're pretty young. Like, I know they are. They keep are. Keep it going. All right, keep it going. Sandy Koufax. Sandy Koufax, a great pitcher. Yep. Why? Why? 25 and five, 1.88 ERA. He had 11 shutouts and wait for it, 306 strikeouts. Is that even is that even humane? He won the World Series over the Yankees in a full sweep where he pitched in two of those four games, which is unheard of nowadays unless you're Clayton Kershaw pitching and or Madison Bumgarner or something like that. He also won the Cy Young and also won the MVP. I mean, there's not really a way around it. Yes, it's 1963. Yes, the game is different. Yes, they throw faster today. But if you equate it to back then with the equalities and all, all the right, differentials, right, Sandy right. Koufax is the way right. to go, the you, lefty. Here's the thing. You just argued against yourself because when you equate today to then, the 1960s are known as a pitcher's era in baseball. And those numbers are not more impressive than these numbers. 1999, Pedro Martinez. 23 wins, a 2.07 ERA, and you said 306 strikeouts? Yeah. And I'll raise you 313 strikeouts wow. for Mr. Pedro Martinez. Wow. Wait so for many it. Hold more on. strikeouts. Hold on. 
Hold on. This is Randy the, Johnson at 372 I'm sorry. in 2001. I, I, yeah. I, I gave you guys your time. Hey, this is I'm my just time. <laughs> just saying. Guys, this is my Here's time. Pedro Martinez, Here's 1999. The <laughs> this is the height of the steroid era. Sammy Sosa hit 60 home runs this year. All right. The year before, Mark McGuire hit 70 home runs and Sosa hit 66. These are. This is the height of hitting in baseball. So Pedro <laughs> Martinez this year won the pitching triple crown. To put the number of 2.07 okay. ERA into perspective, uh-huh. that's .5 better than anyone else in Major League Baseball. Okay, and here's my final argument for Pedro in this scenario. He had three huge moments where he stepped up. I need to set the stage a little bit for the All-Star game. This was moment number one. The all, Steve, we're the talking all about century combined. team. We're not is talking there. about moments. We're not talking about moments. We're the, talking I'm about. I'm talking, talking about, about a guy who work. I need. I this is part of his overall work because he stepped up to the big moment. The okay, all century what, team is at Sandy Fenway Koufax Park didn't. in his hometown. I need to get there, Jonah. <laughs> you just need to listen. Stop interrupting and start. You open your ears. Benelli said it's time to quit. All right. Yo, I'm not done with my argument. <laughs> All right, time's up. All-Star all game. All-Century team. I, I'd be done by now if you guys weren't interrupting me. All-Century team's there. Ted Williams comes out on um on a golf cart. Like, everyone's in tears. The National League has in tears. all these amazing hitters. Probably and Pedro strikes yet. out five out of the six batters. <laughs> five out of the six batters that he faced. Then in September, pitching against the New York Yankees, Pedro Martinez had what is considered by many, including ESPN's Buster Only, as he said on SportsCenter, to be the greatest game ever pitched. He gave up one hit against a team that won the World Series the year before and won the World Series that year. And then finally, when we go to the playoffs in the American League Division Series against the Cleveland Indians, he came out of the bullpen and gave six shutout Indians to win. Can I say something? Six <laughs> shutout innings, not wow. innings, against the Indians. Six I, shutout Ma- Indians. He was Madison Bumgarner before Madison right, Bumgarner. Greatest season ever. Let, That's let, who you want on the mound. Okay, okay. That's the guy. Listen, let's be honest here. Ooh, that yeah. took Salty a while. I'm sorry. We did yeah. interrupt him a little bit. Quite but, a bit. But. Let's be honest here. Wow. Everyone knows that was the best season yeah. ever yes. by like any pitcher. Yes, it is. It's so like the, it's obviously we just you told us before the show that you're gonna pick him, so we had to pick someone else. You said okay. you said not to tell us, and then you told us. Okay. So I'm so, just gonna, wait. How many how many so, walks did Pedro have that year? Um, I can. Can you look pull that up that for me? Up really quick for you. All right. So yeah, that when was we're at the walks. That was a very deep and if we're talking war, his war was ten point eight. He so, gave I mean, up 37 walks. That's okay. one-tenth of the strikeouts. Okay, fair enough. 37 walks in 213 and third inning pitch. Okay. That's unbelievable. Okay. Wow. Unbelievable. That's His whip was Hard to pick nine. against that season, All right. if we're being honest. Honestly, the, be- the best argument against that season is probably 2000, Pedro. That's, my, that's, my, that's just my personal opinion. But okay. Is well, it too early to put Clayton Kershaw into that uh, into that conversation? Or Madison Bumgarner. I mean, we're talking about individual seasons here. Madison Bumgarner didn't have that great a regular season. He was great, but he he stepped it up in the playoffs. Twenty fourteen you know Kershaw. I'm going Kershaw on with seven ERA. I'm but <laughs> the difference I'm gonna say is Pedro did this at the height of the steroid era. These are the that. best hitters have that. ever listen, been listen, and listen, ever listen, will listen. be. The listen. most exciting era listen. in baseball. Listen. Just saying. All Save I'm saying. I'm not. I'm not for roids, but that was that was a very entertaining era. All I'm saying is I would put Rolly fingers on the mound just for his mustache. Boom. 
All right, that, that's that's all we need to say. <laughs> and so, I think we're done here. So vote for who you yep. think made the best pick. I picked 99 Pedro. Jonah picked 63 Sandy Koufax. I picked 95 Greg Maddox. But Matt Rehemba also admitted that everyone knows that 99 Pedro is yeah. number one. I just had to do so, it. That's, that's part of the game. Uh, yeah. All right. So tweet at us. Let us know what you vote for. Yeah, tweet, us, tweet at us, and our social media manager, Jack Kepner, will reply to all your tweets, and I hope we get some tweets because that would be really cool. Yeah, so, or else we'll feel like losers if yeah. we don't. So thank you so much for tuning in to the first show of the semester. Thank yep. you to Kevin Burkhart for coming on as big well. Big thanks, big thanks. For Steve Altieri, for Jonah Restuccio, I'm Matt Rahemba. And this is wait, the SC16 wait. podcast. And Ryan Benelli and Chris Serrano and Jack Kemner. We don't need we don't to, need to do this, this every I'm time. I'm sorry, Jonah. <laughs> this is ridiculous. We don't need to do this every he time. He just closed the show We're done. very you well. Killed it. You forgot you killed people. It. He closed the show you very well, it. and you just interrupt constantly. This is what we're we done. were talking about during my argument. For Matt Rehemba, for Jonah Rasutra, I'm Steve Altieri. This is the SC16 podcast. No, it's not. You forgot. Yeah, now we're not people. done yet. Now we're That's, oh, my God. <laughs> All right, we're done. Thank you guys for tuning in. Tune in next week. We will have one more show. Thanks so much. Have a great night, afternoon, day, whenever you're listening. This is the SEC.